You're listening to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer, where we discover what it looks like to follow God and be swept away on the journey of a lifetime. Author of over 70 books, mom of 10, yes, 10, homeschooler and speaker, Trisha Goyer will explore what radical obedience to God's word looks like. It's time to hear from God lovers who've dared to say yes. Listen in to heart-to-heart chats and learn how others overcame doubts and fears. Discover how God used ordinary people to impact others one step at a time. If you're ready to get radical, get going, and make a difference in this world, you're at the right place. Here's your host, prolific writer, world traveler, people lover, and mega nap taker, Trisha Goyer. Super fun to have a friend talking today, and we're going to be talking about loving our actual neighbors. And my good friend, Alexandra Kirkendall, is here. So welcome, welcome. Hi, Trisha. I know it's a friend when you pronounce my name correctly. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I just wish we'd like live closer and had more time because it's like every time we're together at our chat, it's like we have so much to talk about. I know. I know. And especially this topic, I feel like you are such an inspiration to me. So it feels good to talk to you about it. Well, this is what I want to talk about because I feel like I'm good in some areas, but I'm not so good in other areas. So we'll mm-hmm. talk about all that. But before we get in there, I would love for you to just start by introducing yourself to my listeners. Sure. Uh, I am Alexandra Kirkendall, and I'm a mom to four girls. I live in downtown, well, not exactly downtown, right next to downtown Denver in the city. And my husband, Derek, runs a ministry here called Providence Network. They provide transitional housing to people coming out of homelessness usually due to uh, some type of addiction or domestic violence. And uh, they have a number of properties around town. So it's kind of our big family mission. But uh, my personal mission as I do work in the world is really to encourage women to love God and love the life that God has given them um, a little more every day. And so I used to be on staff with Mops International. A lot of people know me from my Mops days. Uh, Mops is based here in Denver. So that was really fun to be with that crew for about 10 years, almost a little under. And now I have a podcast called The Open Door Sisterhood with my friend Krista. And I write books and I have a new book that just came out on loving our neighbors. Yeah, the title's Loving My Actual Neighbor, which tell the other titles of your books because you have this little theme going I on. I do have a theme. Well, my, <laughs> my first book was kind of a standalone because it was a Mops book, and that's right. The Artist's Daughter. But then uh, since I left Mops, I have had a little theme. My uh, next book is called Loving My Actual Life. And then I have a Christmas book, which is titled, surprise, Loving My Actual Christmas. And then this kind of closes the trilogy. We don't think there's going to be any more Loving My Actuals, but you never know. So Loving My Actual Neighbor is the book that just came out this spring. Well, what about Loving My Actual Family? Yeah, (laughs) That that might be a good one. I don't know. That's like volumes. That's your whole life. How do you you write one book about that? It's so true. Well, I love this topic. And I'm okay. So I'm going to just jump jump right in and talk about what I think I'm doing well and what I think I'm not doing well, because I think I need to process all of this. (laughs) So, you know, we go to an inner city church that's like 15 minutes away. I drive there. I'm connected to those people. I do teen mops, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, teen mom support groups. I'm there loving on all those young women. And then with my actual family, all the kids, all the grown adult kids and friends, like we're always busy. 
mm-hmm. um, with the house full, but I think I'm really bad about like the people on my own street. And mm-hmm. <laughs> you talk about that in the opening of your book, like you didn't even know the lady, you know, the young mom that lived right across the street. And you know, we had neighbors just, just moved in probably two weeks ago, three houses down and I've not even been over there yet. Like, mm-hmm. Kids know their names. And so my kids have been really good because they go talk to the neighbors. And I feel like, well, you know, that's kind of doing our part, but I, let's start by that. Like, I think so many times because we are ministering we're we have our busy families and mm-hmm. we're even connected with people in church or um, those community organizations. Sometimes we think like, okay, we're doing it. But then like you said in the beginning of the book, we don't even know the people that live like three houses down or except mm-hmm. to wave. Like we wave, but mm-hmm. we don't really know them. Mm-hmm. I know. And it is an issue for a lot of us of time, really. Like I heard you say, because we're so busy and busy doing really great things and loving people well. And yet Jesus was really clear when he was kind of put on the spot. What are we supposed to do? He said, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. And so we know that it's important because he said that. And we can interpret the word neighbor pretty broadly. But my challenge to us is to really focus in on the people that are within arm's reach, whether it's your neighbor on your block or your neighbor at your job, the person who's in the cubicle next to you, somebody that you can give a hug to. You can give a high five to uh, that you may not know so well. And so I do start the book telling the story about a young woman that lived across the street from me who had little kids just like I did. And one day there was a whole bunch of police activity at her apartment and she disappeared. And I had no way to get in touch with her. And what really bothered me is I didn't even know her name to be able to Mm. pray for her. And it was a wake up call. Like, here I am working at Mops talking about reaching out to lonely moms. And there was a mom right across the street who was obviously in some type of crisis that I couldn't get in touch with because I hadn't built that relationship. And so as I look around the world, I see that this seems to be something that's happening more and more. And part of it is because we're a more mobile society. We're not all living in the same towns we grew up in. We're not living next door to our extended family, a lot of us, uh, like people used to. And so we have to do some extra work on getting to know our neighbors. And I think it's okay that we that we don't, but now is the time to be proactive and start. And so when we look at time, I think we feel like we have to do this huge thing. Like I need to invite them over for dinner. Well, then that means I need to clean the house. Well, then that means I need to find a time on our schedule. Instead of just saying, you know what? I have 10 minutes right now. I'm going to walk over there. I'm going to introduce myself. And I'm going to start the conversation with saying, hey, I don't have a lot of time, but I wanted to make sure that you know we're so glad you're here. And time can be a real, real perceived barrier but it doesn't have to be an actual barrier. Yeah, that's so good. And I, I love how you talked about in the book that, you know, we're, we're t- characterized by polarization, is- isolation, and conflict. Um, and I think when we take those steps, we realize we're not polarized, <laughs> and right. then we're not isolated. And really, when we take those steps and get to know people, there's less conflict. Because you could be upset about, like, someone's lawn that needs to be mowed, and then you realize, like, hey, they're my friend. 
while I'm mowing, I'm just going to take my little mower over there and do those or something. I mean, I think so many times the things that we're characterized by, it is just those small things, like you said, stepping across the street and not like when you were saying that, like, oh, I need to invite them over. Oh, but then I have to clean. And then, you know, my kids are rowdy or all the (laughs) things that are going through their mind. It doesn't have to be that. It could be small little gestures. Right. And and so that's why I want to encourage people, if you feel like time is your biggest barrier, which I think for a lot of moms, that's true, um, is to do something small and manageable. And then also to think about what am I already doing that I can invite my neighbors into? So um, maybe once you do introduce yourself, it's I'm running to Home Depot and I'm going to get some flowers for my pots this weekend. Do you want to come with me? Or is there anything I can get for you while I'm there? It's just a tiny connection point that steps into something you're already doing. So it doesn't take extra time, but you can connect with another person while you're doing it. Yeah, that's so good. And my neighbor has been really good um, about that. Like she's right next door and she'll text me and say, Hey, I'm running to the store. Do you need something? Or they'll do like they did a driveway movie night. They put a sheet up and had a projector and they invited the neighbors over and like us and one other neighbor went. So they're like, my neighbor's been really good uh-huh. about that. But another thing that I'm seeing is we have, I would say the four houses around us, they all have kids. They all have school age kids, but those kids are never outside, which is mm. the strangest things. And my kids will go knock on the door and ask them to play and they don't come out. I'm like, what, where are your children? <laughs> like, yeah. I, I know you have kids. I know they're all, you know, school age. I mean, it was from maybe four through ninth grade, but I never see them outside. It just is strange to me because my kids are outside constantly that I think people are just like kind of hiding in um, and kind of hiding away from the world and doing their own thing. I, that is very true. And so you're doing something that I would recommend, which is change the culture on your block, become mm-hmm. a, a front yard block, and your kids are initiating. And I will say to moms, kids are great because when a child does something, it's cute or it's sweet. And it can be the exact same outreach, the exact same gesture that an adult would do and an adult would feel uncomfortable. So use your kids to make those connection points because sometimes they are the ones who are willing to break the ice a little more or kids are willing to become friends. And that's when you end up standing in the driveway and talking to parents. But as far as the outside activities, it's true that this is just a general observation. I don't really have research to back it up, but I think you would probably agree with me that kids tend to be more programmed now. Mm -hmm. So this idea of, hey, come out and play and we'll just figure out what we're going to do. Kids don't know how to do that as well. And so maybe it just takes a little bit of structure to say, okay, here's a plan. You guys are going to take the basketball and you're going to walk three blocks to the park and you're going to shoot hoops for 20 minutes. There's a plan. Now go do it. (laughs) Right. Because sometimes they just need that little bit of structure that you and I didn't necessarily need. I mean, I remember knocking on my neighbor's door and then playing for hours, whatever, just the dumbest stuff. And so I think we maybe sometimes need to give kids just enough structure that they feel like, okay, I can do it. And then we may not see them for three hours because then once they get into the play, it kind of snowballs. That's a really good idea because when you said that, that little bit of structure, I'm like, I bet if we filled like a couple buckets with water balloons and then went Mm -hmm. and knocked around and said, hey, we're going to have a water balloon fight, I think those kids would come out. But when you just have kids like, hey, want to come and play? You know, we're going to ride our bikes or whatever. They're like, nah, let me just, I'm watching TV or on my tablet or (laughs) those types of things. And And probably the same is true for adults too. Right. If we have just that little bit of structure like, 
I don't know, hey, do you guys want to come over and watch the baseball game? Or maybe that's too much commitment for some people to sit in a room together. But do you want to come over and, I don't know, have cookies at two o'clock? And then it just feels like one little small thing Mm -hmm. that someone, not only are we busy, but our neighbors are busy too. And so sometimes they don't want to commit to things. So something that's small enough that they can say, yeah, yeah, I can do that. I may not want to dedicate a whole night (laughs) to being together, or that might make me feel uncomfortable at first. But the small after small snowballs and it builds on each other and it eventually becomes deeper and bigger. Mm, I love that. Okay, so in the book, you talk about seven practices. Um, Do you want to start by telling us a couple of them and then how you came across those? Yes. Well, I did have seven practices because as I was observing this disconnect that I think people are feeling with their neighbors, the people that I would say aren't your best friends, but are within arm's reach, I started asking myself, who do I know that does this well? Mm. And so I met with a bunch of people here in Denver that I think really love their neighbors well, people that are like them and people that aren't like them in lots of ways. And I asked them, what do you think the church needs to do better when we consider loving our neighbors? So I took lots of notes. And then I was out to lunch with my friend, Karen Parks, who I think you know. Yeah, I do. Um, from Mops Days. And we were talking about this topic as, you know, she was one of the people that I was asking, what do you think? What do we need to do better? And she said, you know, there's this, a few verses in the first um, chapter of Second Peter that I think don't get enough attention as far as how we build a foundation for loving people that is sustainable. And often we think as Christians, oh yeah, dang it. I need to love my neighbors. Right. I'm going to go do that now. Or as a church, we may have an initiative that lasts a month for loving our neighbors. But really, if this is the most important thing we're supposed to do besides loving God, then we need to be living a life of loving our neighbors. And I think you do this really well, where you're saying, I'm going to love people for the long haul. So what does a commitment look like? Well, we need to do it in a way that's sustainable with our actual lives and our actual circumstances. And so I looked at this these verses and I thought, you know, there's some stuff in here that really is echoed in the answers that I heard from people that I think love their neighbors well. And so these seven practices kind of morphed. And I would say they're scripture influenced. They're not straight from scripture. And then they're also influenced by people who I think do a good job of this. And uh, the first practice, and I call it practices because it's something that we have to do over and over. And the more we practice, the better we'll be at these things because they're not things that come naturally to me, but they're also things we will never perfect. And so we just need to keep doing them over and over. And my hope is that the more that I do them, the more they'll become second nature uh, because they aren't my always my natural um responses. So the first is holding a posture of humility. And really, it's about remembering that God is God and I am not. (laughs) I mean, it's pretty simple that way in that we want to recalibrate who we are in the world and who we are in the universe in relationship to God and who our neighbors are in relationship to God. And so when I remember that, who God is and who I am, I remember that my neighbor reflects God's image in the same way that I do, and that my neighbor has access to God's grace in the same way that I do. 
And it just kind of levels the playing field a little bit. And it helps me remember that I don't need to walk into this with an agenda, that God's got his agenda. And I play a very small part in his big plan in this person's life. So I don't need to go in with this idea that I'm going to save somebody or uh, that I'm going to change their life immensely. But I'm going to go in with this sense of here is someone who uniquely reflects God, who can teach me a little bit about who God is and what life is like. And I'm going to benefit from being in relationship with this person. And I get the joy of loving them well. And mm. so that's really the the first practice, because I think it influences everything as we consider what it means to love God and love others. And I think when we have that humility and we when we approach someone that basically we're just saying, you know, I just want to get to know you and you can trust me. Like we're becoming mm-hmm. a trustworthy person. And there's this great book that when we were going on mission trips, um, it's called I Once Was Lost, um, What Postmoderns um, Can Tell You About Christ or something like that. But um, it was an excellent book. And the first thing, uh, what postmodern skeptics taught us about their path to Jesus. And the first thing is like, when you're doing any type of evangelism or just being a friend, the first thing is just getting them to trust Christians, like to trust you. And I think when we have that humility and not like, I'm going to go evangelize my whole you know, neighborhood or whatever, then we have an agenda. But in humility, it's just like, you're an, you're an important person and I'm trustworthy. And that's just the first step. Right. And I talk some about building trust in the third practice, which is listening. So the second practice is asking questions to learn. And the third is being quiet to listen. And I think listening well to people is part of that trust building. Because what you're telling people when you listen well is not only am I interested in your story, I can handle your story. There may be a lot of painful parts. And honestly, there may be a lot of things that shock me personally. But I'm not going to turn away because this is your experience and your truth. And if I want to love you, I need to know you and I need to know what you have been through. And so I do think building trust is essential. And all of these practices help in that, in building trust. Okay, friends, we're taking a short break because there's someone that I want to introduce to you. I love sharing my friends. And today I want to share my friends in the form of sharing one of my favorite podcasts. So do you have sometimes feel like no one is praying for you? Do you struggle to realize that God hears your prayers and wants to intercede on your behalf? Do you love the Bible? I know, friends, I love the Bible. Then consider listening to my friend Mary DeMoose podcast. It's called Pray Every Day. You can download Pray Every Day app on the iTunes store or Google Play, which is just amazing. She has her own app for that. You can listen on Alexa device. And if I'm in the kitchen, I'll say, Alexa, Play, pray every day with Mary DeMuth. And then I see my friends, hear my friend's sweet voice coming through. Or you can go to prayeveryday.show for daily encouragement. Mary reads a scripture, then prays for you according to that scripture. And these are not fluffy prayers, friends. These are heartfelt prayers. I've been listening for a year now, and I can tell you, it's deeply influenced my joy and helped me to know that God is always with me. So be sure you check out Pray Every Day by my friend, Mary. Okay, so then the next one after um, Be Quiet to Listen is Stand in the Awkward. And I think this is what people, what stops them from like going forward is that 
feeling of awkward and I'm not going to know what they what to say and they're going to slam the door on me, which I guarantee most people won't. But mm-hmm. let's talk about that awkward for a moment. Yeah. So here's the truth. It's going to be awkward in some cases and in some moments with anyone because two people who are imperfect people interacting it's not going to go perfectly. And so to walk into a conversation or a moment or a relationship with a neighbor knowing that because I don't know everything about this person and because we've lived life differently in some way and we've experienced life differently in some way, there's going to be a disconnect or an awkward or an uncomfortable. But I think this is in some ways the most important practice because it's standing in the awkward. It's not leaving It's not um, hiding as soon as you start thinking, oh, this person's too much or I'm too much for this person. (laughs) Uh, It's saying, I am committed to being in this relationship with you. And I don't mean that in you should stay in an abusive situation. But if it's just simply uncomfortable because things are weird, then the message that you're sending the other person is you're more important to me than my own comfort. Because likely if you're feeling a little bit awkward, they know that Mm -hmm. they may share in that, or they just may be enjoying the fact that you're feeling a little awkward. But when you feel that and you stay, you're showing a level of commitment and just expect it. And the more you expect it, then I think the more comfortable we become when it happens. And it is one of those things that as you practice it, the more times you're in kind of awkward situations, the easier it becomes in a way. Hmm, That's so good. We had a situation where um, neighbors moved in and they'd only been here like a month. And so I didn't even, I mean, except for the, hi, this is my name. Like that's all we talked to them. And they had a, a, older one of their parents lived with them and she passed away so we saw like the hearse arriving and it was mm-hmm. like really but then I knew like we had to do something and um, a couple days later we were shopping and I just got some take and bake pizzas and I'm like okay who wants to go with me we just marched over there I mean it was awkward because you know what do you say I mean you hardly have talked to them and they've just had someone pass away but we really just rang the doorbell and like, I'm so sorry about your loss. And I know it's not much, but here's pizza. And she just gave me the biggest hug. And it was kind of awkward. Like, what are we going to do? You don't know what to say people, especially when they've just had a loss and stuff. But that little step was like, okay, that wasn't as hard as I thought (laughs) when -hmm. when you just do it. Right. And then next time probably that you interacted with her was less awkward. Right. Because that you survived that awkward moment together. And what she saw in that was the heart behind it. So we can often feel like, ooh, I'm not doing this in the most smooth way possible, or that didn't come out right. But if people sense your heart and your intentions, they will often overlook a lot. And and that fear of being uncomfortable or being awkward um, is a fear that they are not going to respond well. But I think if they do know that our intentions are good, they let a lot go. Okay, let's move on to accept what is. Um, So because it's not like every relationship, you're not going to make best friends with every person on your block. So yeah, talk a little bit about that. So uh, part of it is just this sense of freedom. It gets back to God is God and I am not. So there are parts about my neighbor that I just need to (laughs) accept that aren't going to change even if I want 
them to change. Like they play their music too loud in the front yard or they just have a strange personality. Well, those are things that you just kind of have to learn how to accept. Maybe not. Maybe the the playing the music is something that you can eventually talk about, right. but there are some things you just have to decide. Is this something that needs to be addressed or can I just accept my neighbor for who they are? And when we do, if there's just so much freedom because then we don't feel like we have a responsibility to have things go a certain way. And what it means is letting go of control mm-hmm. a little bit. And that's why we need to remember God is God and we are not because he's in control of this situation. And if we let go of some of the control, then we can simply enjoy our neighbors and love them and have fun with them in ways that we wouldn't if we were trying to change them. Right. And you talk about showing empathy with it because you never even know it. Like even like if they're grumpy or whatever, you don't know what Mm -hmm. they're going through. Like, or if their yard is full of weeds, I mean, all this kind of stuff. Um, You don't know what they're going through and just showing empathy and, and, you know, just reaching out to them and is everything okay? Or, you know, just, um, you know, talking to them, being kind, you never know how, you can really help them or just support them through a hard time. Yeah. And sometimes we confuse uh, showing empathy with and accepting as approval. And then we get kind of tied up in our own stuff. And showing empathy to somebody, crying with them, doesn't mean that we've approved of every decision they've made to get to that point. It simply means I am with you in this pain. And that's what Jesus did. He he was with people in their grief, even if they were grieving because they had made some really bad mistakes. Right. He was with them in that. And so that's part of it is recognizing I am not here to approve or disapprove of how you've gotten to this place. I'm here to be with you in this place. Yeah, that's so good. Um, and then the next one's lighten up, which you talk about finding natural connection points with your neighbors. And one of the things we do on the 4th of July, everyone just sets off fireworks in our little cul-de-sac. Um, mm-hmm. So that's like really our, our fun, lighten up, go crazy, set off fireworks, make a mess <laughs> everywhere. Um, you know, the kids are running around. I mean, I love, and you talk about using food to connect. So really it can be those little moments. It doesn't have to be like every month, but where there mm-hmm. are those really natural connecting points. Yeah. And part of this is personality. Some people are just more fun. <laughs> I am not one of those people. Like I I tend on the serious end of the spectrum. And so I know that this is something I need to work on because not everybody wants to go deep the first time we meet, even though I'm willing to go there and hear their full life story. That doesn't mean they want to. Right. And so <laughs> to connect with people where they want to connect. And, you know, for my husband, it's often sports talk. And for me as a mom, it's often kids and schools and things we have in common as far as parenting. And so find the places that just feel natural. And then those are things you can fall back on in those awkward moments where you think, I really don't know how to connect with this person to go back to those places that, you know, you both have a common interest or a common part of life. Mm, that is so good. Yeah. And, and I think you could find at least some common interests, hopefully with yeah. you know, each of our neighbors and it might be different. Um, but like you said, if we have kids running around, I mean, <laughs> that is often a common spot that you could talk about things. Yeah. And this is why people always talk about the weather. Because no matter who you are and what your stage of life is, if you live in the same community, you've experienced the same weather. Right. And so it's the concept 
is the same. It's that we have experienced something in common that we can talk about. So in the book, I, I talk about different places or ways to connect. It can be stage of life. So for my mom, you know, she moved to a new block a few years ago. There are a lot of other retirees on her block. So just their stage of life, they're talking about retirement plans and they also have the same schedule. They're open and available during the day. Um, and for me, like I said, it's more of a parenting phase of life, but it can also be um, things happening in the community. It can be um, seasons. You know, we're all out working in the yard right now because it's spring. People in Colorado go to the mountains in the summer, go skiing in the winter. So those things that tend to be true of people who live in your community are places to connect. I love that. Okay, we've made it to number seven, which is give freely. Um, And I know here, you're not just talking about like, you know, taking cookies and stuff. What other things can we give? Well, I think something that is very valuable these days that people just are hungry for is our attention. Mm -hmm. And this gets to time because we're busy and they're busy But people are lonely and they are isolated. And to have somebody who says, how are you? And then really listens is a really powerful thing. I was just with my pastor this morning and he was telling me that uh, he's been texting people. uh, I'm thinking about you right now. How can I pray for you today? And he's been surprised at the just floodgates that have opened. And I said, you know, I think part of it is because people know you're serious. You really want to know how they are and you really are going to pray for them. And that that has a different impact on somebody than kind of that flippant, oh yeah, I'll pray for you. Uh, And so all of these other practices that we've talked about really build to this because as you said, we're building trust. So then when a neighbor has a need, they're more likely to come to us with it And then we are also more able to meet their specific needs because we know them. Mm -hmm. We know their personality. We know their story. We know their likes. So besides uh, cookies and our attention, we can give our talents. My husband's a really handy guy. So when a neighbor needs a tool, for example, they know that he has a tool collection, but they also know that he probably knows how to manage the tool. (laughs) Yeah. Or we can give, you know, talents like I'm always helping people write emails, write resumes, right? Which you wouldn't think would be something your neighbors need help with. But as a writer, that's what I have to give. And that's what I'm good at. I'm I'm also cooking for people a lot. Um, We have our Young Life leaders here at our local high school that come to our house a lot for dinner because I'm one of the people on the committee that's not intimidated by cooking for 10 mm-hmm, extra people. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's true for a lot of moms. Just what's a natural extension of something I'm already doing, right? I always just make more of what we're going to have for dinner and then I can invite people in. So our talent, our time, and then our treasure, uh, which is our money and our resources. But if we do it, um, just like you know, I'm cooking for people. Well, that costs me money to um, be sharing right. food with people. Uh, but I'm also in it. And I think it's this holistic idea of everything I have that is good in my life, God has given me. And so everything is to be used for his glory. And when I use it all together, 
So cooking is an example. I'm using my time to prepare it. I'm using the limited talent I have in the kitchen. I'm using the budget I have for my groceries. And I'm opening my home to people who are then using their time, talent, and treasure to love kids at our local high school. And so I think it's this holistic life approach that we want to be building to say, I want to live a life of loving people with my kids, in front of my kids, with God, um, for God, because that is what he calls us to do, but also because it makes life so much richer because it's what he calls Mm, us to do. That is so good. And I love how, I mean, when you're feeding people and just open to people, then you do have the opportunities to talk about God. I mean, they often see something that is different inside you. And I was thinking of, one of my neighbors, when we first moved in, I, I knew one of them. She lives on the other side of the block. And she, like, I guess, sent a message out to a whole bunch of my neighbors that live close to me. Um, and she let them know, like, I was a Christian writer. Well, my neighbor next door came up and was asking about my writing. And so I gave her some of my books. And then um, I had a lot of Christian books, like, from my friends. And I just buy too many. And I just gave her this box mm-hmm. of books. Like, I don't need these. And I thought she was a Christian, but just how excited she was. Well, she was a seeker. And she ended up reading those. Um, well, a little while later, they started attending church. And I mean, I heard about the transformation, but I just assumed because she was so interested that she was a Christian, but really let us later, she talked about the conversations that we had and how I just lent her these books. And it just helped her so much. And I had no idea, but it was just me going, hey, I have extra books like here, take them, read mm-hmm. them. This is great. And I, you know, it wasn't anything. It didn't cost me anything. It was just things I had that I was able to share. And it really made a lot of change in her life um, as she's able to read and, and have these conversations with me. So you never know even where people are um, and why they're asking the questions that they're asking. Right. And I like how you said it didn't even cost me anything. And again, that's, I think the mental block we mm-hmm. sometimes have is I just don't have the energy. I just don't have enough. I'm I'm at my end already. But again, this was just extra that you had. And um, if we look at our life and where we have extra, those are easy places to give from. But then what we're already doing and hitching people to what we are already doing. You know, I'm already making dinner. Yeah, Yeah. you can come over and have dinner too. I'll just make more. Yeah, I love that so much. Alex, I just love talking with you. I just love your heart. I love the book. So, um, and I just love just ideas like you just say it's, it's not a big deal. Like we don't have to make a big deal. Just do something simple, these little things and just add on to what you're already doing. Um, and, and this just encourages me so much. So you've gotten given me a lot to think about. And I know that you've given my listeners a lot to think about. So thank you so much for being here today. Oh, it's my joy. And truly, Trisha, you are one of the people that lives this life. It is a lifestyle for you. And I appreciate that because you inspire me so oh, much. Thank you. And um, I just, I just love you. So thank you so much for being here. So before you go, just let us know where people can connect with you online. Uh, so I mentioned earlier that my, my last name is spelled kind of funny, but my website is alexandrakirkendall.com. And from there you can find me on pretty much everywhere except Pinterest because it overwhelms me, but I'm on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and alexandrakirkendall.com is the best hub. Perfect. And we have the show notes and it'll have the link to that. And then we'll have your name all spelled out for people. So right. they, they could just click on the link. 
Well, thank you again, friend, for being here. I just appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I just love that so much. Alex is always so great to talk to. I just feel like, I mean, I would love to be here tonight for one and two. I just feel like we would just have so much to talk about and that I would not feel stressed or pressured being her neighbor. But the cool thing is that we can be that type of neighbor to those on our street or if we're in a workplace, those in the next cubicle. I mean, there's so much we can do to reach out. And I'm going to read the verses that Alex was talking about. Um, and it's Second Peter verses 5 through 9. And um, so this is going to be from the message version. And this is what it says. It says, so don't lose a minute in building on what you've been given, complementing your basic faith with good character, spiritual understanding, alert discipline, passionate patience, reverent wonder, warm friendliness, and generous love, each dimension fitting into and developing the others. With these qualities active and growing in your lives, no grass will grow under your feet. No day will pass without its reward as you mature in your experience of our Master Jesus. Without these qualities, you can't see what's right before you. Oblivious to your old sinful life has been wiped off the books. So I just love that. When it talks about being have passionate patience, reverent, reverent wonder, warm friendliness, generous love. I mean, this is exactly what our neighbors need, right? Again, that is Second Peter 5, 9. And I love how Alex pulled those seven things out of that verse. And these are the seven things. I know we talked about them all, but just to list them, they are seven practices. Um, one, hold a posture of humility. Two, ask questions to learn. Three, be quiet to listen. Four, stand in the awkward. Five, accept what is. Six, lighten up and seven, give freely. And now, of course, this podcast is Walk It Out. And I think this is so perfect for this podcast because it is, it's walking across the street, it's walking across the lawn, it's walking over to the next cubicle and just reaching out, just offering love. So I'm just going to say a prayer for all of you today and for me. So dear God, I thank you so much first of all, for encouragement like Alex gave us, that we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to be eloquent. We just have to be friendly and smile and take that first step. Lord, I pray that you will show us how to do that. Um, Like me, I'm even thinking now of my neighbor who just moved in three doors down and I haven't even gone to say welcome. So I already have things in my heart, Lord. I pray that you'll give me the boldness and help me to get past the awkward. And for all those who are listening to, that we will not be concerned about ourselves, but in humility, think of others before ourselves. And that these first steps that we take, even now, will just build friendships. It'll be the first seeds to these friendships. I pray that you'll just be with us today and encourage us. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, friend, I am so glad for you tuning in to Walk It Out. I love connecting with you. Um, at any time, feel free to drop me an email at hello at trishagoyer.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'd love to hear about some of your favorite guests, or maybe if you have ideas for guests you'd love to have on, I would like to hear them and hear your opinions. Um, as always, share this with a friend, feel free to share it on social media. Um, and all the show notes can be found at my website, trishagoyer.com. You could just look under podcast. So have a blessed day, have a blessed week. And if you do walk across the street, for sure, email me and let me know. Hello, trishagoyer.com. I want to hear your stories. Thank you, friends. Thanks for listening to Walk It Out. 
head over to the show notes for this podcast and all past episodes at www.walkitoutpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with someone you know who can make a radical difference in the world. We love new friends. See you next time.